Welcome to another episode of the Business Buffet Ingredients, where we ask the experts questions that serve up a business and life-growing feast. Pull up a chair and get ready to eat hearty in business, because the Business Buffet is now open. I met today's guest more than 17 years ago when I worked as director of the trade show division at Acme Scenic and Display in Portland, Oregon. Mel White received his bachelor's degree in English and business management, his master's degree in English, and an MBA with a discipline in marketing and communications. Mel has been involved in the trade show industry since before 1996, but for the last 15 years, he has served as VP of Marketing and Business Development for Classic Exhibits, headquartered in Portland, Oregon. While Mel is the expert of experts when it comes to trade show exhibiting and sales in the exhibiting environment, Mel also has a background in digital sales and marketing and understands the digital world we live in today. I felt his perspective on today's topic would bring a unique slant critical to your business growth as we all face turbulent waters with today's digital marketing arena. Thank you, Mel, for agreeing to spend some time helping my listeners get reacquainted with the trade show exhibiting. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate being here. Um, I, I'd, I'd love to say that your introduction makes me feel like I have a lot of experience, but it also makes me feel kind of cool. <laughs> that, that happens after so many years, right? It, it does. It does. Uh, you know, hopefully I picked up some wisdom along the way. That's what we hope for, right? So over the last 20 years, what has been the most noticeable change in trade show exhibiting? Wow. That's the big question. Ed. Um, you know, the easy answer for that would be for me to say both the systems that are out there, you know, the systems have gotten more sophisticated and then the use of technology. Those would be the easy answers. But I believe that's probably true in every single industry that's out there that what people use, the whether it's the physical or the actual software portion of what's going on has changed. But I really think in some ways what has changed within the industry is how, is how the perception of trade shows have altered. In the sense that I think the easiest way to think about it is, you know, we've all gone to county fairs and state fairs. And as a child, you remember going, it was all kind of with a, a blank slate. You went and, you kind of wandered around and you found new things and you discovered new stuff. And it was just, and the, the, the folks who were there, the exhibitors, whether it was the, you know, the rides or it was the games or within the, the, the merchant, um, the merchant uh, um, barns that are out there, there was a, certainly a source of entertainment that was with it, but you didn't really come with anything specific to go to in, for most of it. But what's happened within the world of trade shows because of the the advent of obviously the internet and the ability to kind of see what companies are going to be there is that um, what's changed is really the attendees. The attendees attend a trade show with a very specific mission in most cases. They're going to see their current suppliers. They may have some particular products or things that they're looking for and that they've done their homework beforehand and they know who they're going to see, the act of simply discovering a new product doesn't happen 
as often anymore as it used to because people are not wandering the floors in the same way. It's, um, it's, it's a different type of selling environment than it used to be. And I think that more than anything is the biggest change. Obviously, the booths have gotten more sophisticated. The booths have gotten more interesting. There's a different level of, of trying to attract people. But it's really, I think it's the attendees' agenda that has changed the most. Yeah, I remember way back in early days of trade show exhibiting, our our booths were heavy, bulky, difficult to set up. They weren't very sophisticated. Just the act of being there. I, I remember a computer fair. They were still called fairs back then at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. Uh, excuse me, not the Moscone, the, um, uh, the Cow Palace, excuse me. And you know, wow. there's, there were hundreds and hundreds of exhibitors. Uh, it was it was like a, a a lively environment, but the displays that we had they were just garbage. <laughs> I re, I remember putting stuff together with duct tape and and staples. Uh, now the displays mm-hmm. are, like you said, very sophisticated. What what is the trend that you're seeing with regards to the displays? or the small to medium-sized business? There's a couple things. One is, you know, we, we often throw around the terms of modular, and um, people have believed that displays have been modular all along. But what, is, what has changed is, I want to say, twofold. One is the, the rise of what are called uh, modular panels, which are kind of pre, pre-configured panels that simply connect together that you can attach graphics to and then accessories. Um, those have really started to dominate a significant portion of the industry. They're kind of full-size panels. They put fabric or you put direct print graphics on it. Um, that's become a bigger and bigger part, and some of that has kind of eroded a little bit of the, the custom portion of the, of the industry. The other is the dramatic rise in rentals. You know, long gone are the days where rentals were kind of beat-up extrusion from some you know, back warehouse that, you know, that had nicks and dirt all over them. They're pretty, they're, they're pretty elegant anymore. They're very nice. Um, they can be customized and more and more folks are choosing to do rentals because um, while in the long run, it may cost more, it gives them a lot more flexibility from a quarter by quarter basis. I think those are really the biggest things. Obviously they, there is, there is the increase in, if you're talking about strictly portable, um, you know, a lot more portable systems are coming from Asia. Uh, the price points have dropped dramatically on those particular systems. Um, but they've become a little bit of a commodity, and there is, to some extent, some stigma that's associated with them. It's not that they're not attractive. Most of them are, are okay. They're certainly more attractive than what portable systems were you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, it's just that there's a lot of them. You know, one of the things that I noticed, I there were the big companies, the twenty by twenties, and bigger spaces. Those, those I put in a class all by themselves. But even in the the, the ten by ten to ten by thirty range booth size, there are companies that just put up a graphic display, and there are companies that create an environment, a sales environment on the show floor. What percentage of the booths that you folks are building are for one or the other? Um, I think less that are just 
kind of pure graphics, I think those become those would become more of the kind of low-end systems. And um, if people want something that's more an environment, that wants something that's, uh, whether it's a sales environment or they're trying to entertain or they're trying to show their product, it just requires um, a lot more accessories and a lot more elements, um, whether it's backlighting, shelves, iPad holders, literature holders, storage. There's just a lot more involved in that. But as far as the percentage, the most most of what we do, obviously, is a combination, which I would say is a graphical and structural, but those two combined is predominantly what we manufacture. Now, now, what sort of changes, I mean, we live in a COVID-19 world now where social distancing is the norm. What changes, if any, do you see being thrust upon the exhibiting world due to the coronavirus pandemic? Well, my thoughts are kind of evolving on that. And um, I'll give you kind of my gut reaction that I believe will happen as things open up, whether it's later this summer or the fall, or, you know, in some cases we're, we're hearing that things may not completely open up until really the first quarter of 2021. I think two things are immediate um, because budgets will be, and it's a combination of, of budgets and the shows. One, the, the budgets won't be there. And when the budgets aren't there, people have to make difficult decisions. And I think those difficult decisions will mean even more rentals, um, which for us is great because we have a, a really large rental program. But a lot more rentals will be out there. And I think a lot of folks will choose portable displays. Now, there's a wide range of portable displays out there. But um, folks who wouldn't consider it in the past, I think, will make that choice to go into portable at least for a while because it kind of fits their budget. The other half of that, when you kind of ask in a you know post-COVID world, is just you know social distancing, you know um, what surfaces have to be sanitized, how many people they'll let in the exhibit hall in any given time. I mean, there's so many ideas that are floating out there right now of extending uh, the hours of the show and only letting an X number of people in during certain times or assigning people to walk the floor during those, those periods. I mean, you won't see what you won't see. You won't see food in the same way. You won't see, you know, cookies kind of in trays out there for multiple people to kind of pick up or um, I don't know any of the, the kind of um, enticements that are kind of food or drink related in the past. I don't really see those happening. And, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm not sure whether to applaud or be appalled by the fact that uh, we're less likely to see folks shake hands or hug one another after seeing one another for a long time. There's a there's a sense of, you know, disappointment in all of that. Yeah, it, it is going to be different. I kind of envision a partitioning, if you will, of the exhibit floor where, especially in Vegas, but you know, even at the Portland Convention Center, they open up a hall and, you know, you've got a 75,000, 200,000 square feet of floor space. I, I can see them leaving the partitions up and partitioning, if you will, the show floor for the express purpose of being able to control attendance in each section and and not limit the, the folks further away from the door, if you will. It's always a challenge I saw. The further from the door you are, the longer it takes for you to anybody by your booth yes we'll also see how willing the 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 
the show organizers and the general service contractors are to making the aisles wider because that's going to cut into the exhibit space that's available. But that may be a short-term solution because there may not be as many boots on the show floor. Now, I would say for those who do um, continue to show, um, there's a huge opportunity for them. I, while there will be less traffic, there will also be fewer exhibitors there. Uh, I remember quite a few years ago, we used to participate in a show that um, isn't um, in existence anymore, but it was a show for folks within the, the trade show industry. And it slowly got smaller and smaller, but we continued to participate in it. And the last three or four years that we were in it were probably the three or four most successful shows we, have, we ever had because while the attendance had gone down, as I said, the number of exhibitors, and we were kind of a big fish um, in a smaller pond, and we got a lot more leads and a lot more business out of it. And I think there's some opportunities for exhibitors if they kind of approach it with that perspective. Well, and I think that's kind of the biggest benefit of trade show thinking, if you will, for especially a startup. So many businesses that have been around a long time, they they may have a, an incorrect but a certain stigma that trade show exhibiting no longer works. So they're pulling back. And honestly, I saw that long before the coronavirus shutdown. But I, I think you're absolutely right. The fact that there's just going to be fewer people on the floor, the numbers just work in your favor. And I think what's weird, Ed, is that, you know, when, when I've heard people say that trade shows don't work for them, if you grill them a little bit more, if you kind of ask the right questions, you kind of find out exactly why it didn't work for them. There's a variety of reasons, but I think the biggest reason is that, um, and it goes back to my earlier statement as far as the, um, the goals of the attendee. And I'm going to flip that, that, that script a little bit in that if you're an exhibitor and if you were creating a private event as an exhibitor and it was just your event and you had to stop and consider all the things you had to do to make that private event successful as far as, you know, what would it look like, um, you know, what was the agenda, what responsibilities did everyone have? You had to make sure you identified who you were going to invite, that you actively recruited and um, marketed to those people to attend your event. You had to make sure that they were informed and entertained once they got there. Um, if exhibitors did that same, um, put in that same amount of effort at a trade show, they would be extraordinarily successful. But they often kind of... Um, they make the decision that that's the responsibility of show organizers. And in fact, I've always contended that if you're in a trade show and you're an exhibitor at a trade show, you should know before the show even started who 70% of the people are who are going to visit your booth because you've done all the pre-show marketing to that group of folks, whether they're existing clients or potential clients. So you're driving them to the booth. If you expect those people to come to your booth on chance, or just by wandering around like they're at the state fair, um, you're not going to be successful. And I also found that um, the way you go into your booth space with regards to interacting with the visitors makes a huge difference. I think it, I think it was Jan at Acme Scenic and Display that taught me. He said, Ed, you know, at a trade show, you get paid on the information you get, not the information you give. 
Mm-hmm. I think it was my dad that said, God gave you two ears, one mouth, use them accordingly. But I digress. What are the biggest yeah. mistakes you see businesses new to exhibiting make? I think that's actually the biggest one. The one that I just spoke of is that um, they go into it thinking that um, they're going to get this, this, this big crowd and this big crowd is going to kind of flock to their booth and discover them. Um, and, it, this, and while, yes, there are some people who are wandering and yes, you're going to get a number of people who come into your booth and want to know what you do and are looking for solutions. Um, but it's, again, it's not the way it used to. I mean, that's the biggest mistake is that they don't actively um, spend probably, I mean, really, they should probably spend the majority of their time in pre-show marketing and more so than the actual um, time that they spent actually in the booth itself. They want people in, in their, their space. They've got to entice them into their space long before the show starts. One of the things that I've found in my business helping folks with their marketing effort, they see traffic as the arrival. They see traffic as the goal. And I have to force them to get back to doing math and say, well, how many customers can you work with annually? And for most small businesses, that's a pretty small number. So the idea of bringing 5,000 people a month to your website, when in reality all you can handle are 10 new customers, it's an economies of scale equation. And I think trade show exhibiting uh, really emphasizes that point uh, the most in that your business can only handle so many customers annually. And your trade show is a way to develop relationships and capture leads. And like you say, you should be marketing the heck out of your effort before you ever get to the show floor. It's expensive to exhibit. I was going to say, you know, it's interesting. It's from the digital standpoint. You know, I look back about uh, 12, 13 years ago, and we were doing, you know, pay-per-click um, marketing on, in one of our divisions. And one of the words, and this is before I was really involved, and I got involved, one of the words that they were really, is one of the key words that they were paying for was, was display. And it brought a lot of traffic to the, the, the website. But as I kind of drilled down into it, what I found is that most of the people were looking for school displays, jewelry displays. We're looking for a lot of words that were associated with the word display that had nothing to do with, with trade show. And the moment I altered that, that keyword within it, um, traffic dropped by probably 40 50%. And there was some word within the organization because of that. But you're exactly right. It's all about getting the right people into your space, the people who are qualified to be in your space and maximizing that opportunity. When I'm working with a client as a consultant for their trade show exhibiting, what one of the first things that I do is assess what they're currently doing and really to, to figure out what they're doing wrong. And 99% of the time, they're spending too much time with the wrong people. With so few minutes on the show floor with, every potential customer. Every minute you spend with somebody who's never going to do business with you anyway is a minute you don't get with somebody who will. So organizing... Yeah, you, know, you know, it's funny about that, Ed, is that there is, there's an art to disengagement as well on the trade show floor, and it's very, very uh, challenging for some people to do that. 
you know, in, into this week's podcast, now this is being recorded ahead of time, but in this week's podcast on Monday, I talked about the 10 questions to go into your trade show. And one of the last questions is the disengagement, how to do so without seeming like a jerk. So you are, you mentioned early on the, the idea of a private show and the exhibitor magazine every year reports the, the size of the business in public shows versus private shows. And every year, over 60% of the capital invested in trade shows is on the private show side. What percentage of the displays, classic exhibits, designs, and builds are used for private industry events versus public trade shows? I think ours is kind of um, more of a flip. I would say probably 80% of what we're doing goes to kind of public trade shows as opposed to private ones. Um, when we're involved in more private ones, those tend to be rental properties, um, rental light boxes, uh, monitor stands, workstations, counters. It's not unusual for um, a large software company to have a, a sales event and they need you know 50 or 60 counters because they're you know they're, they've got individual meetings all the way through it or they need um, charging stations, they need those things. For those type of events, but the vast majority of our business historically has been in public rather than in, in private. So, Classic Exhibits has known as a leader in hybrid trade show display design. Looking out on the horizon, what do you see as the future of marketing integration of digital into face-to-face exhibiting? That's a great question, Ed, and it's being debated as you as you know right now. It's being debated a lot because of the, the shutdown. I think one one of the things that's happening is is that word hybrid um, is coming to the forefront again, and not necessarily hybrid exhibits, but hybrid events. We've all been at least kind of enticed in previous economic slowdowns with the idea of virtual events and virtual trade shows, and they've never really panned out because you know it lacks the face to face, it lacks the kind of community, the human connection that being with people um, provides. And I think that's generally going to be true going forward as well. But I think what people learned or are learning this time is it's possible to do both. It's possible to have a virtual event or a virtual event before the show that that, um, kind of brings people there or at least gives people an opportunity to kind of tune in. And then to take the information from the actual event itself, the event at the show, and transform it into a kind of pared-down virtual or hybrid event afterwards. Um, for those people who couldn't attend, um, you know, didn't have the money to attend, but it gives show organizers another opportunity to sell advertising, to sell, you know, space to do a lot of things to make money and it works within their, their best interest to do so. Um, they've just never been motivated to do it in the past, but I think they're motivated. They will be motivated to do it now because the blending of the two represents uh, an opportunity that they didn't have in the past. And you're going to have fewer people, at least in the beginning, um, at shows. From a standpoint of a business that is hearing this episode and, and they're thinking, all right, well, maybe I should give trade show exhibiting a try. Um, classic exhibits, you distribute displays through a, a rather large distributor network all over the world, don't you? 
We have, the majority of our distributors are in North America, but we, we do have distributors in Japan and Australia and um, in selective countries with, within Europe. Um, that's primarily our distribution. So what would you recommend a small business owner do if they're seriously thinking about getting into a trade show but just absolutely dumbfounded as to where to start? The, the big thing is to really to talk to um, an exhibit professional. And I know that sounds a little self-serving, but part of the reason I say that, it's true. You can waste a lot of money um, participating in trade shows before you learn to do it right. And I often tell people, the thing about trade show marketing, is it, it, it is marketing. It's no different than any other marketing, but it's a very specialized form of marketing. And you shouldn't go into it kind of thinking that because you've been, you're good at marketing in general, um, in other venues that you're going to be necessarily good within within trade shows. So talk to professionals, talk to folks who um, who either um, are uh, sell exhibits or even people who are consultants, or just find other exhibitors and ask them what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them. Kind of do your homework because um, you want to be successful at the first show, not at the fifth show. And if you don't do your homework, um, like, as I said, you're gonna you're gonna spend a lot of money you don't didn't need to spend before you got to where you needed to go. And your uh, company again, working through your distributor network, but you also have a, a design center in house, don't you? We do. We have a couple things. Is um, us classic exhibits? We you know we're we're primarily what we call a white label um, designer and builder, and that. Um, not many people in users out there know who we are because we're designing and building through our distributor network and we're not trying to really promote the classic brand. We're, we're promoting our distributors brands in selective markets. But within the Northwest, we do have a direct sales office through, um, that exhibits Northwest offices here in Portland and in Seattle. Um, and those two offices, if you're kind of in this regional market, um, we're happy to work with you directly. Outstanding. Well, Mel, I really appreciate you taking the time to help my listeners and share the myth that trade shows are dead as being debunked completely. I think you, just my best point, if trade shows are dead, then the CES, uh, the Consumer Electronics Showcase, wouldn't be the largest trade show in the world. It would not. People, <laughs> you know, we are, we are social animals. And we want to be with, with other people, whether it's, you know, at Disneyland, whether it's on vacation, at church, or at that trade show. We want to be face-to-face with our colleagues and, honestly, our competitors at least once or twice a year. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Business Buffet Ingredients. We hope we tempted your business taste buds with something sweet. Please share this podcast with your friends and show that you are the smartest person in the room. Visit www.businessbuffet.page and sample all the flavors of the Business Buffet. We hope you eat hearty in business.